Thanks for joining us for another Creating Dementia Solutions, a Miles for Memories program here on Access Vision and a podcast as well. So however you're finding us, we appreciate that you did. I'm Richard Pyatt. We've been spending a few episodes now talking about research as it relates to dementia and Alzheimer's. Dr. Graham Atkin is here from Michigan State University and Emily Bossy, who's a medical student at MSU as well. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're going to talk this time about medications. Boy, this has been in the news a lot, even lately, but over time we see a fair amount of information about this. And actually I was in the room with someone recently and this subject came up and the impression that that person had was, well, there's not a lot they can really do, right? I mean, the medications, but does that really do anything? And so it seems that there's a perception out there that that these are certainly not cures, but let's talk about that in general and some of the advancements uh, that are happening right now that we keep hearing about. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So one of the things that I always talk to folks about is I think you have to be very judicious about where you invest your hope. Hope is such a powerful resource, and I think it's good to be informed about you know, these medications and other treatments to know how much faith you want to put in it. I'll start at the outset and say the two medications I'm going to talk about today are not cures. And a question that comes up a lot is, why don't we have a cure for Alzheimer's? We spend all this money, there's all these people working on it, why don't we have a cure? And the answer is that the, the brain is the most complicated thing we know of. And this disease is changing a system that we already don't understand. So it's, it's changing the rules that we haven't yet learned. So we're trying, and there's a lot of good people working on this stuff, and advancements are being made, but we haven't yet found that silver bullet that's just going to solve this problem. That being said, I think it's important to be aware of these advances that are, that are now becoming available, and so I'd like to talk about uh, two medications today. And I should mention I'm a science doctor, so this is not, I'm not a, a medical doctor, so this is not medical advice. I'm just reporting what the research has shown. This research was done in a very important way that folks should be aware of, which is that they were done as double-blinded controlled studies, which means that neither the physicians giving the medication nor the patients know which thing they did. They get the treatment or did they get the placebo? That's important so we don't skew the results. Yeah. The trade-off is that these studies are enormous. They have to enroll a lot of people. They take a long time. Uh, they take a lot of money. And so it's, it's hard to get studies that are this big. And we'd love to have every drug at these studies, but they are there quite a lot, quite a big uh, lift. So let's talk about uh, the first one here, which is aducanumab, or also uh, known as aduhelm, which was in the news recently. Both of these medications are monoclonal antibodies. And what that means is it's, it's sort of making use of the body's own immune system to try to get rid of these proteins we think are associated with Alzheimer's disease. So in particular, amyloid beta. The perception has been more amyloid beta means greater risk of Alzheimer's disease. So if we could reduce that amount, right. we could improve the disease. Right. There have been numerous therapies directed at lowering those amyloid beta levels. They haven't shown progress in the clinic yet, but these two seemed to have some progress. So the first one, again, is Aduhelm. This would be given as a monthly infusion. You'd go to your doctor and you'd sit in a chair and get this infusion once a month. But it was pretty controversial when it was approved. Uh, so the FDA gave it approval, and, and the reason there was controversy was that experts looked at the data and did not feel that there was that big of an improvement. It was very, very minor improvement, if at all. But the risks of this drug were quite high. So it had a, a sort of a black box warning, so it, the risks of brain swelling and brain bleeding. Oh, my. And many people felt that's not worth the very, very minor benefit that may be incurred. And that's tough because I think when people hear, oh, there's a drug coming and it seems to work, their hopes get up and they think, finally, this breakthrough. 
So there were there were two trials done with Adjuhelm. One uh, showed us a slight benefit that was eliminated in the second trial. And again, these trials are enormous; have a lot of people involved. And about forty percent of the participants receiving this drug experienced either brain swelling or brain bleeding. Forty percent. Forty percent. Now, some of that was believed to be fatal. So there were actually patients who passed away, and it is believed that their deaths were linked to their taking this drug. Others had it but didn't have uh, all the same sort of negative symptoms that, that would lead to fatal. But either way, there's no good amount of brain swelling. So additionally, the evidence in support of this, what's called the amyloid hypothesis, is believed that amyloid is the thing in Alzheimer's disease, didn't justify saying we're going to put all our eggs in this basket and risk people's lives for this incremental uh, thing. So the FDA approved it. There was a lot of controversy. A lot of people spoke out against it. There were concerns raised about uh, there was a congressional panel that looked into this. The congressional report slammed the the, com- the producers of this drug. It's a company called Biogen and the FDA for what they felt were uh, irregularities in the approval process, things that, that gave them concern about that. So now Medicare will cover this drug, but only as part of a clinical trial. So clinical trials that will further investigate this drug, those folks will have their their usage of this drug covered by Medicare. But otherwise, most major medical systems will not cover it, uh, especially in Michigan, they won't cover it. So there's very few people who will be using this drug, which also means we have, you know, we will learn less about it. But, right. Uh, that's where it, it's at. So there there will likely be another large clinical trial to try to, to see you know, we had one study that said it worked, one that didn't. What's the outcome? Uh, so that will likely be in the news at some point. The other drug that has been all over the news recently is Lequimbi. The, the more uh, science name is lecanemab. This, again, is a monoclonal antibody, which means it's using the body's immune system to try to clear out this amyloid beta. And, again, it's not a cure, so it's not going to restore lost cognition or restore lost memories or anything like that. But the evidence seems to suggest, and again, this was a the large study, had yeah, 1,800 participants. Those who were on the Quimby for 18 months had 27% less cognitive decline, meaning that their cognitive decline was 27% slower than those who received the placebo drug. 27%, what does that even mean? It really is going to equate to, for those for whom it works, and we'll talk about whether or not it's going to work for everybody, their disease progress will be slowed probably on the order of about five or six months which in the grand scheme of things may not be much, but five or six months of time left with your, your loved one as you know them could mean the world to someone. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, you know, discussion about this drug. I, I, I will say 27% is the average, so uh, your mileage may vary. There may be many people who, who take this drug and see no difference. There may be some who have a great effect, but it is on average about 27%. Uh, it is. Imp- there are some very important factors in, in determining whether or not someone will get this disease. So it is only right now approved for the very earliest stages of Alzheimer's disease. So mild cognitive impairment or what's sometimes called pre-Alzheimer's disease, those stages. Uh, additionally, you have to go to your doctor's office every two weeks to get an infusion. Those who have progressed beyond those early stages, this will not be approved for, and they don't believe that there will be benefit for that. Patients must show that they have amyloid buildup. So what that means is, uh, as Emily mentioned in an earlier segment, you want to target the treatment to the specific disease. You've got to make sure that person has that specific disease. Right. This is an anti-amyloid drug. If people don't have amyloid, this drug won't work. That means that you have to go and get brain scans to show that you have this amyloid buildup. You then have to have repeated scans because this drug also has some of the risks that Eduhelm had of brain bleeding and brain swelling. It's a much lower percent, so only 13% of, of people who took this drug developed brain swelling. 
still for that 13%, that's a very concerning thing. There have, uh, to my knowledge, been no deaths associated with this drug yet, but you know that is a, a brain swelling, brain bleeding are, are quite concerning. Additionally, if you have two copies of the APOE4 gene, which is a gene that's associated with the clearance of, of amyloid, two copies of that, um, your risk for brain bleeding is much higher. So APOE4 is less effective at clearing out uh, amyloid, which means there's likely more amyloid in your blood vessels. And this sudden removal of amyloid with this drug weakens those blood vessels and the risk of brain bleeding is much higher. Well, so here's what we can pull from this. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is complicated, clearly, yes. right? And we are a society of uh, wanting a pill to fix the sure. problem. Understandably, right? Yeah. And so we're not there yet. But this is not unusual, is it? This is the progress that happens. Yes. Yep. Is that fair to say? I think that this is most exciting as an, a sign that incremental progress is happening and that greater progress is yet to come, yeah. right? I don't think that this, again, I don't think this is the silver bullet, but for that that person who gets that extra six months, maybe that's the world to them, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot to consider. There are also, uh, I want to be clear, some very significant costs associated with this drug. So you have to, first, uh, your general practitioner is going to have to say, yes, they think you have Alzheimer's disease. You're then going to have to go to a dementia specialist. There's costs associated with that. That dementia specialist is going to have to do tests, including brain scans, to show that you have amyloid in your brain. Then you're going to begin these monthly infusions, and Medicare will cover the drug, but not the cost of the infusion. So you got to pay for that, and the oh, transportation boy. costs, and missing work, and whatever it is. Then you have to have regular brain scans to check for brain bleeding and brain swelling. So that's an additional cost on top of that, more MRIs, things like that, also more time at the doctor's office. Just the, the drug itself, none of the other things that I mentioned, is an annual cost of about $26,500. Medicare will cover about 80% of that, which means you still out of pocket just for the drug, not the scans, not the doctor visits, not all that other stuff, just out of pocket, you're going to be paying about six dollars $7,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Again, can you put a price on getting those six months? Maybe you can. That is a decision that would have to be made with you, your support network, your family, your doctor to say, you know, are we going to try this or not? And again, 27% was the average, but that means that some people had no effect. So you spend all this money and still don't see an effect. Hard to say, hard to know ahead of time what would happen. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, we've been learning, even with COVID, for example, mm -hmm. people respond differently. Yes. So this is no different than that. It might help yep. you, it might not. Yep. There's a small benefit that is potentially available to you. There is a certain risk that you would have to weigh, and having those cost-benefit analysis discussions is going to be key to, to figuring out if this is the right step for you. Mm -hmm. I imagine more drugs uh, like this are, are, I don't imagine, I know, there are more drugs like this that are being tested right now. We will see more results of that. There's an interest in taking Liquimbi even earlier in Alzheimer's. So if we got even earlier, would the effect be bigger, right? If you could stop that amyloid from building up even earlier, and then there are uh, drugs that are not looking at amyloid. Uh, so the other culprit protein that we associate with Alzheimer's disease is tau. There is a tau therapeutic that has been uh, just gone through its phase one trial. So this is just a, is this drug safe for people trial. Right. But earlier studies, animal studies and whatnot, have shown that it is able to reduce the amount of tau tangles in the brain. And so that might be of, of benefit. We just don't know yet. There's a lot of research yet to be done. I will say one of the main things that's going to help move uh, this forward is for people to agree to participate in research trials, which is itself a cost-benefit analysis, um, especially in terms of where you place your hope. 
but uh, that's the only way that we move forward is to keep doing these trials. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the more you know. We were, we were talking know. a little <laughs> while ago about the more you know. Yeah. This is one of those occasions. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Graham Acton, we appreciate this uh, update, and it will be interesting to chat with you in six months, a year, yeah. and see where things have changed. So we appreciate that. Dr. Graham Atkin and Emily Bossy, medical student, Michigan State University, joining us on these series of episodes on creating dementia solutions, a Miles for Memories program. And we thank you for joining us too. I'm Richard Pyatt. <laughs>